Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What up, TCK Potters? Welcome back to another episode of the Candlestick Kids Football Podcast. I'm your host, Sky Guasco, joined as always by my man, Bobby Lamarco. This is episode 391. We have some rookie ADP review, and we are getting down with a rookie mock draft as well. You can find us right now live on Facebook, live on YouTube, live on Periscope and Twitter as well. And I believe Bobby is also live on Instagram. You can check him out at football. X Factor. You can find him on Twitter at his name, Bobby Lamarco. Find me on Twitter at my name, Sky Guasco. Bobby, it's been a minute, man. Been uh, been busy the last couple of days. How are you doing, Sky? I mean, the distance makes the heart grow fonder. We know that. We try to balance each other out a little distance, but then once we do that, we realize we just got to see each other at least twice a week. Uh, so we're gonna do that. But uh, I know, Sky. We talked a little bit about this. We have a new segment. I'm gonna start. It's called Sky's the Limit. No pun intended. I'm going to talk a little bit about guys that Sky thinks are underrated. Today we're going to talk about a running back. So, Sky, you tell me right now in May, based on ADP, which running back do you think is underdrafted and the sky is the limit for? Man, that's it's a really interesting question. First of all, rookie drafts um, are – they're fun – but they're also completely a mess. Like they're going to continue to change. We get we get constant updates on who's doing well in camp, who's not doing well in camp. Injuries happen. My man Jeff Wilson, pour one out for Jeff Wilson. Love my boy Jeff Wilson in San Francisco. I've been repping him for three seasons. I've been repping him as my early sleeper uh, to take over that backfield if Raheem Mostert goes down, even with them bringing in the rookies. But he gets hurt. He's out, you know, four to six months. Trey Sermon all of a sudden just explodes right and so it's really interesting if you're if you're looking at um the full if you're looking at the full rundown of the rookies i try to basically look at um who is going to have value now but who's going to have value later on a guy like trey sermon obviously makes sense but now if you miss the boat on trey sermon it's too late Najee Harris, people were kind of like, eh, but Pittsburgh's offensive line, we'll see what happens. Well, I don't think that's going to be that much of a big deal. Now he has skyrocketed. Travis Etienne all of a sudden has become a guy who might be a receiver. If he's a receiver and he's getting that kind of work, even out of the backfield, and he's a quote-unquote Alvin Kamara, you can't get volume on him any longer. So when I look here at at the rookies, um, honestly, I, I try to look a little bit further down the list. I still believe in my man, Kenny Gainwell. And I know you and I disagree on this because you are a miles, uh, Sanders guy, but oh, I just think, man. I just think, I just think Kenny Gainwell <laughs> has the opportunity in the offense. I'm not worried about carry on Johnson. They bring him in, um, with the draft capital. I think he's going to be just fine. And if he just takes away, uh, uh, passing downs role in Philadelphia, I think they're going to be great. Also, if miles Sanders remains, not as productive. I won't call him unproductive. Remains not as productive as he has been the last couple of seasons. And Jalen Hurts is out there moving the ball. I think Kenny Gainwell is going to have more of an opportunity. We saw Boston Scott, um, who I think is just a guy in, an, in a good opportunity, come in um, 
and do quite well, even around the goal line. They bring in Jordan Howard, not worried about it. Bring in on Johnson, not worried about it. I've been pretty vocal that I don't super believe in Miles Sanders. Um, I think he's a great talent, and if he gets a ton of opportunity, 250 carries or touches or whatever, sky's the limit. But I just don't necessarily see it happening. So I'm going to go with Kenny Gainwell right now. Some deeper guys, some deeper guys. Keep an eye on Elijah Mitchell in San Francisco as well. Nobody's talking about Elijah Mitchell because it's been all Trey Sermon in this offense. But Jeff Wilson's gone down. I Jamichael Hasty was kind of fun. I don't necessarily believe in him per se. Raheem Mostert, I love the guy, but he's on the you know he's 29. He's on the later side of his career. He doesn't have as much wear and tear, which is good for him. But if he goes down and it's Trey Sermon's game at that point. If he goes down or he's not as productive as we think he's going to be, Elijah Mitchell, even though he's a six-rounder, could have the opportunity as well. So I think those are the deeper names. The one guy up at the top that I'm going to stick with is Javante Williams with the with the Broncos. I think he's worth the capital. I think he's worth the, the top buy. you got to wait him out with Melvin Gordon, so you maybe yeah. have to sit on him for a year. But this is rookie running backs. And we see rookie running backs like Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, J.K. Dobbins. They didn't get going. Cam Akers didn't get going until halfway through to the end of the season, and they were still very productive and helped people win championships. That could be a guy like Javonta Williams. It could be a guy like Elijah Mitchell. So keep an eye on those deeper names and the guy up at the top that I think is getting overshadowed by Najee Harris and um, uh, Etn. Etn, thank you. Um, Javonta <laughs> Williams is is that guy for me. Yeah, I got to tell you, man, we're going to have to do some side bets. One, Two of the guys that I talked about a lot is Miles Sanders and, and, and Melvin Gordon. I'm actually going to put – I actually think I'm going to do a solo pod just on Miles Sanders. and the, Please. Because I don't, th- I don't think we have the time today for me to go through <laughs> all of the stuff I have to say. So I'm just going to swallow that for now. Just say, all right, Sky, whatever you say, man. Kenny Gainwell, let's do this thing. But uh, I'll probably have a rebuttal uh, when you're not around, so you can't fight back. <laughs> so yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's interesting here, and I'll, I'll wrap this up here. So 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 PPR um, top twelve rookie running backs as of right now. We're going to get a mock draft in the second half of this episode, so we'll we'll go through this kind of again. But uh, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Javonta Williams, Michael Carter, the top four. My boy Kenny Gainwell is going as the fifth running back in the middle of the second round. So he may not be as much of a value as I think he is, but I just think he has the opportunity. And if Miles Sanders goes down, it won't be Jordan Howard. It won't be um, Boston Scott. It's not going to be on Johnson. I think it would be Kenny Gainwell, who can also run the ball, and he's a prolific pass catcher. So I like him a lot. Jamar Jefferson is another name I think to keep an eye on there as well with the Lions. Just because, again, outside of DeAndre Swift um, and you know Todd Gurley, I guess, uh, but I, I think that he's got an opportunity to go later on. So you're looking at like you know second, third, fourth round running backs. Some of those guys you're looking to capitalize on. We'll go on some more later on in the episode. But if it's a one running back, I'm looking at uh, in the middle of the second round. I'm going to stick with my boy Kenny Gainwell, and I'll have to hear your uh, 45 minute. Um, <laughs> it will probably be 45 your, minutes. Your 45 minute uh, conclusion here on Miles Sanders to, to yeah. convince me otherwise. But again, look, I say this all the time. I don't hate the player. I hate the situation. And he has let me down two years in a row. He was excellent. Two, he was excellent in two games last year with two big runs against the mm-hmm. best defenses. I get it on a consistency basis. It hurt. And I think Jalen Hurts might end up, uh, you know, he could le- lead the team in rushing yards. So we'll see what happens there. 
Yeah, I listen, and I got a bunch of stuff I can talk. I'll talk about later. But the one thing I will say is, and I another thing we're going to talk about, Sky. We've talked offline about is the mobile QB impact on running backs, and surprisingly, it's not good. Like I thought, I thought always that mobile quarterbacks help ground games and helps running backs, and everyone's more productive. They might be more efficient, but at the same time, the volume craters because those running quarterbacks are taking rushing attempts away. And I actually looked this up the last three years. Mobile quarterbacks that rush for 350 yards versus guys who rush under 100 yards, like those mo- like standing quarterbacks, not mobile, almost five points per game difference yeah. for, for pocket passers who don't scramble, don't run versus guys who are mobile. It's five, five points per game and half point PPR almost. It, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was very surprised. And that's just something we'll probably touch on in more detail later. Absolutely. And uh, again, I mean, the Russian quarterback is taking over the NFL. Now we are seeing, though, that they're not yet winning championships. Lamar Jackson has not yet won a championship, right? Kyler Murray has not been close. Um, A lot of these other guys have not yet gotten there yet. It's still, I know Aaron Rodgers hasn't quite gotten to the Super Bowl the last couple NFC championships, but he's gotten the game before that. Jimmy Garoppolo was in the Super Bowl. He can't run at all. Patrick Mahomes is mobile, but that's not a huge part of his game. Um, Yeah. You know, and and uh, obviously Tom Brady taking it down last year hasn't run in 20 years. So that pocket, the effective pocket presence quarterback is still the name of the NFL as yeah. far as wins go. As far as wins go, once Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen obviously showed us great things with Buffalo. Um, but once the mobile quarterback starts taking over the NFL, as far as they are the best teams in the NFL as well, then we'll start talking about it more often. But I I do think we're on that verge. So when you're talking fantasy football, especially if you have this ridiculous setting, which is four points for passing touchdown, um, if you have that, then the rushing quarterback has the immense um, uh, opportunity to outproduce. I hate the the rule personally. Yeah, I hate the the rule personally. Any any league that I commission – any league I commish is always six point per passing, no matter the settings. I just can't yep. handle the four point. I don't get it. I understand why people make the mark. I just don't get it at all. And with the rushing quarterback already having an advantage, look, Cam Newton threw ten, uh, eight touchdowns last year and ten interceptions. He threw for like two thousand yards last year. He was horrendous as a quarterback, yeah. but he was dominant in fantasy because he had twelve rushing touchdowns. Um, and I just don't think that that should be fair for guys like Ben Roethlisberger, um, you know, uh, uh, even, you know, Tom Brady's and other quarterbacks, Matt Ryan, um, Matt Stafford, those guys that don't generally run should still have the same opportunity because a guy like Matt Ryan is throwing for 4,500 yards every year and he's the QB 12 yeah. because he doesn't run the ball. That's silly. Yeah. Listen, you know what? We're going to go on rants. This is our podcast. We do whatever we want. We're going to go it. on a rant right now. This is the same thing why I hate PPR. I hate PPR for this exact reason. Full, because full, like you just yeah, full, full, point, full point. I love half. Think about this for a minute. A wide receiver who catches five receptions for 50 yards has more fantasy impact than a running back that rushes for 15 carries, 90 yards. That makes no sense to me because in a real football game, a 90-yard rushing uh, running game is a good running game. That's elite. That's like ends up being one of the top rushing backs in the NFL. Five for 50 is like, you know, Adam Adam Humphreys, slot receivers. And that to me does less of an impact. That's why I love half because half point PPR, that's like seven and a half points versus nine for that running back. I think that's fair. And I think that's the way it should be. I, I think PPR over inflates 
the wide receiver position. And I just don't think it's it, it's logical. And what you see in a regular football game, there should be some correlations in impact for your fantasy team. Yeah, and, and that's fair. And I, I agree I'm a I'm a full PPR guy personally. Oh, here we go. Um, I don't know for what is going on with but, us. We just but, disagree on everything lately. But 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 what, what's interesting is I think full PPR is more fun to play. I don't disagree with you on why you don't like it mm. as a player and as somebody who's a commissioner in a league. And I set settings. I want to play that setting. A, it's more points, which is just more fun. <clears throat> B, this is important. B, it's more predictable when I'm doing my analysis, my research, and I'm putting together a team. Full PPR is more predictable to me than half PPR. I understand you just need to chop the receptions in half and you get the same numbers. But as I'm looking through things, it's easier to say, okay, I think this guy could get 90 receptions. Okay, and let's just say, I don't know, 90 receptions, 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns. I can do that math immediately in my head on the board when I'm on the clock. If I'm doing that same thing and I'm going to take 90 points and cut it to 45 points, redo the math, it can still happen, but for me, it's just easier to do, and it's easier to to slot a guy in and say, okay, I think he's going to get you know six uh, uh, receptions, so I'm going to get those points. Now, look, bye weeks is most important. A guy goes down, you're using a wide receiver six off of your bench to cover up a bye week. I want to be able to say, okay, Adam Humphreys, for example, right? Scott Miller. I want to say, okay, I can I can probably get that guy for five receptions, fifty yards, and maybe a touchdown. To me, it's a little bit easier to work out than just saying, okay, well, if he gets five catches in half, that's two and a half points. That's not a difference maker. Five points could potentially help with that second flex or whatever. So I know it's kind of a – it's a uh, it's really interesting. I think we, we need to put up a poll uh, on our Twitters for, for the <laughs> – No, show. no, no. We should do like a snippet of our argument. Then the poll because nice. I want to I want to make sure I argue it first. Watch video, then vote. Yeah, because I just think it's I get it, man. I do more points is always better, but I just don't. It doesn't make sense to me that like you it's could pick up. A, yeah, I guess I just think that my my points per game, like if a run if a wide receiver three on a team just gets you five for fifty, and that's more productive than a running back that gets you ninety yards rushing, it just doesn't add up to me. Um, but yeah, well, it, it's whatever. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree. And I do think that'll be fun. And one thing that we do, and here's kind of a little teaser, I guess, for the, the TCK listener league for 2021 is first of all, we're going to have multiple listener leagues this year, because last year, two years ago, I had listener league and we had 12 teams come in and I had about 20 sign up and didn't have room. So we opened up a second league that got overwhelmed and I had more people turning people on. So we're going to open up a third league this year. Um, as well. So there's going to be more opportunities. There's going to be about 36 possibilities for people to fill in here for the uh, multiple TCK listener leagues. But one thing that I've opened up to that listener league is the person that wins the listener league in whichever league you're in, if you win the league, you get to pick the settings for that particular league. So Bobby, you're coming in, you're coming into the listener league. If you win the TCK listener league this year, Next year, you can say, look, man, I want to do super flex, you know, three running back spots, four wide receivers, tight end premium, two defenses, you know, whatever. I mean, you can do anything you want when you win it. And yeah, that's kind I of the, that's kind of the perk on on winning the TCK listen league, because not only do you get the payout and you get the, the prestige of winning the TCK listen league, but you actually get to pick the settings for the following season. Um so that's that's kind of fun. So listeners out yeah. there, we have not dropped 
the listener league yet. We have not opened submissions. We are far from that. We're not going to do that till about July. But just know that if you are in the league and you win it, you're able to pick settings and have some fun, man. I know of a league that is a super flex league, and then it's all flex positions after that. You run a super flex, so you can have two quarterbacks, and then they have eight positions that you play, and they're all flex positions. So you could run nine running backs and one quarterback in a single week if you wanted to. You could run nine receivers and a, and a quarterback if you want, or you can mix match. You can draft. You could you could draft Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, and TJ Hawkinson and play all three of them every single week if, if that's the type of team that you think would be productive. So it's really interesting right. to, to put your team together. And when you start talking, we need to have our own episode on, on league settings, which we usually do later in the summer. But four-point versus six-point, PPR versus half PPR, Superflex versus regular, a lot of those things change, and especially when you're talking dynasty and redraft. All right, man. Listen, I'm in. I listen, I'm ready to attack a listener league. Um, I'm a little more traditional. Actually, one of the things we need to talk about too is another thing that came up in that episode we're going to have to talk about is how many flex spots, how many wide receiver spots. Like the more I think about it, it's, it is impactful, but we're in a league now where you don't, you have one flex, one running back. And we're just like, it's got, there's got to be a threshold. There's got to be some level of depth in your starting lineups to really bring diversity to your league because when you have shallow starting lineups, it's like everyone's got a super team. It takes away a lot of it. So just another thing about when you're constructing uh, yeah. the starting lineups. I agree. And again, I think in a, in a separate episode, we'll go through our ideal. Yeah. We'll go through our ideal um, league makeup and maybe rules and stuff, but also our ideal um, roster configuration. I think, I think that'd be interesting for us. And in that dynasty league, you're talking about it's a charity dynasty league. We've mentioned it a couple times, 16 team dynasty charity league with other fantasy football accounts which is a lot of fun you have a team i have a team our good friend dom over at the uh fantasy football state of mind put the league on shouts out to the state of mind good family here of the tck we're going to get dom on the podcast here to break down um, our teams in that league here eventually as well to kind of show the listeners where our heads are at on um, a startup dynasty league but for today, we're going to focus on the rookies. Last episode, I sat down with my man RJ from the Dynasty Addicts and from the Dynasty Commish uh, Dynasty side of things. Um, he and I had a great episode talking rookies and Dynasty in general. He focuses on Dynasty. I learned a lot from that episode. I want to take some of that into today's episode and turn it over a little bit before we start getting back into redraft because finally the NFL draft has happened. Finally, the combines and, and uh, pro days are behind us. You and I can finally start getting back into redraft, which is where you and I thrive. But we need to kind of tie a few more bows on dynasty stuff and rookie drafts because those are the hotness right now in fantasy. And most people are doing those in their um, continuous leagues. They're doing the, the rookie side of that draft. So I want to continue to do that a little bit further today, Bobby. I want to run through a couple of the ADPs right now. So maybe per position, yeah. we'll go through the the general ADP for each position and rookie-specific drafts right now. And then uh, we'll go into a quick, just about a four-round mock draft later on. You and I are going to pick on the same team. We're going to discuss our pick and talk about the rest of those picks as well. So Fighting over the- Kenny Gainwell in third round. Can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that's what we're going to do, man. I'm very excited to uh, bring it in. We're on the backside of 390, coming up on 400 episodes. Really excited. So once again, if you're listening live, tune in. Hit a subscribe right here on YouTube. Give us a thumbs up and hit that bell. And if you're on uh, Instagram, 
and you're on the Periscope as well, give us a like and a follow too. All right, Bobby, why don't you uh, fire off some ADPs to me and uh, I'll, I'll let you know my, my yeah. flavor on those. Get the little take the hosting seat once in a while. I kind of like that. So what I'm going to be doing right now is I've I've been kind of very vocal about running backs and wide receiver rookies. And last year, yes, we had Justin Jefferson and we did have CD Lamb emerge. But there's a lot of guys like Henry Ruggs and who did not. And I think we're going to constantly throughout the year check ADP status of rookies. So the first guy I think a lot of no one's surprised here is Najee Harris. So what I did is I actually went on. Um, NFC, which is the National Fantasy Champions uh, ADP, because you have a lot of the high stakes leagues in there. Um, now, keep in mind, these ADPs do throw in some super flex. So quarterbacks could be a little higher than we expect. But for this for this exercise, we're going to kind of focus on, you know, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. But I'll even throw in a quarterback here and there if needed. But first guy on the list is Najee Harris. Now, Harris has climbed to 16th overall in 12-team leagues, and he is currently going ahead of running backs like DeAndre Swift, Joe Mixon, and Antonio Gibson. So my question is, for you, Sky, that is the RB12 for fantasy in the middle of the second. Are you buying or selling Najee Harris at that draft cost? I'm bringing up my rankings right now here just to make sure I'm on 12 seems just a bit steep. I've got him at 15 yep. currently. And I think that just, I mean, it's not like I don't believe in Najee Harris. I obviously believe in the, in the Steelers. And right. if he gets, if he gets Steelers running back workload and he is, he is the, you know, D'Angelo Williams, Le'Veon Bell, James Connor workload, he will be 12 at least. Frankly, he might be top 10, top eight if he can stay healthy and he can catch the ball, which he can. And I don't think people uh, give him enough credit of that for. But um, I'm looking at my rankings here really quick. Give me those other names you have him around in ADP. DeAndre Najee Swift. Yeah, Joe, DeAndre Swift, Joe Mixon, and Antonio Gibson are the next three running backs. Okay, so I have – let's see. Let me find uh, Najee Harris. Okay, so I have um, all three of them ahead of – of uh, Najee Harris right now in my rankings. Um, I have Gibson at 12. Uh, I have DeAndre Swift and Joe Mixon uh, in the uh, top 15 as well. So again, I think it's that for me is just a wait and see. I love yep. Najee Harris. He's clearly my favorite running back like everybody else in this draft class. He's coming out a bit older, which doesn't hurt him this season or next, but He's going to be 25, 26 a lot earlier than you think he is with these rookie with this rookie draft class. So in two or three years from now, we're going to be talking about him being old uh, early on. So doesn't concern me yet. It's just a wait and see with what they do in Pittsburgh. I love the upside. Here's the deal for your question: buy or sell at 12? I'm going to sell. There you go. I could I could turn I could turn that into a top 10 ranking by draft season in August. I'll put it that way. Okay. Well, I will say this with Najee Harris. Now, the Steelers offense was kind of out of whack last year, but they did have three prominent receivers and Eric Ebron, which led to a lower lower targets for the running backs. Now, you could say James Conner, obviously, in and out of the lineup, and he's not Le'Veon Bell, but the biggest difference in that offense was that Le'Veon Bell, back in his prime, was getting 100 targets. Last year, the running backs were nowhere near from a target percentage close to that. So I think Najee Harris is going to be more focused on the ground game. I don't think he's going to get those elite targets. And I agree 1000% with you. That's why I think he's a RB 15 
range, which I think is still good. I think the craziest part is RB15 is not bad. But I just view him as like a Josh Jacobs kind of running back for this year where he's going to get a lot of the ground game, but he doesn't have that elite upside. Plus, like I've said a million times, the adjusted line yards last year, dead last. That just shows how weak the offensive line is. They lost three starters from last year. Next on the list, Travis Etienne. Once again, no surprise. Travis Etienne is going at 44th overall. He's going right ahead of running back, which is I think is really odd. But James Robinson's still going here, which I don't know. This is just May ADP for redraft. So keep that in mind, everybody. So this is just what I thought was interesting. But the running backs are not strong in this area. Travis Etienne in this range is going ahead of like his co-fellow rookie, Javante Williams. But let's talk about a little bit of the receivers. He's going ahead of Robert Woods, Chris Godwin. He's going ahead of quarterback Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson. Um, Kareem Hunt's another running back. Deontay Johnson is another guy he's going ahead of. So currently is it uh, overall why, uh, running back, overall 44. What are your thoughts? You buying or selling Travis Etienne as a low-end round four pick? I am uh, trying to find him here in my rankings, which scares me. I wonder that's, if that's he's – never good. No, that's not good. Uh, give me one second here. I'm not sure why. RB22 is his ADP. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Um, I, oh, Miles Gaskin. Okay, there we go. Travis Etienne. So, honestly, overall, and this is single quarterback. Overall, I have him much further down. I have him 66 overall. Um, Brandon Ayuk, Chase Claypool, Russell Wilson, T. Higgins area overall. And then um, running back specifically, uh, he's in the high 20s for me as well. So, running back-wise, he makes sense. They're at the RB, what, 22? Let me see where I've got him here. Uh, Travis Etienne, I have at 26. I actually have James Robinson, two ahead of him at 24 right now, just to see what happens. But I've got him right, right around Miles Gaskin, uh, Chase Edmonds, Mike Davis. So I think he makes sense for the running backs. Overall, though, the the community, the ADP, has him much higher than I do overall yeah. with running back. I just have so many wide receivers ahead of him is what tells me. When I look at an overall rank, running backs make sense. The overall ranking when I have them what twenty two <laughs> lower than the the ADP yeah. that just means I have much more faith in wide receivers probably a couple more quarterbacks and a couple tight ends as well. Yeah, the thing about ETN that does scare me a little bit is the fact that he reminds me. I've talked about this before. It reminds me a lot of DeAndre Swift last year with Daryl Bevel. Um, the first eight games of the year, he barely got any true work. He I, I wrote this short article for Rasball about running back draft capital. And I put a nugget in there about how in the second half, he had almost three times as many 10 plus carry games because he started getting more work. So you're going to have to wait on him. And I think that kind of makes his ADP kind of even out in the end. Like, yeah, he might return value in the second half of the season, but overall you're not going to win a league by driving traps, Travis ETN because he's going to have to accept the early season slow with James Robinson and Carlos Hyde getting touches. Also, like you touched on the wide receivers, I mean, Chris Godwin to me is probably someone I would take over him. Robert Woods, I mean, I mean, Robert Woods with Matthew Stafford. Doesn't it just a, tickle your fit? Doesn't it tickle a, your fancy a little bit? And, You're just kind of like in a startup, in a okay, look, we I think we need to dis- decide. I'm sorry if you said this already. Is this redraft or is this dynasty? Redraft. Okay. This is redraft. Yeah. And that's that's what I'm figuring. If this is redraft, this is not even close. Chris Godwin yeah. over Travis Etienne makes perfect mm-hmm. sense. Robert Woods in redraft way before Travis Etienne. Look, Travis Etienne, whether Urban Meyer 
makes it happen or not, just like might not produce much for a while. Cam Akers was clearly the best running back in Los Angeles all of last year. We didn't find that out till the end of the year. Jonathan Taylor was the same thing. J.K. Dobbins was the same thing. DeAndre Swift was the same thing. And Adrian Peterson, as a veteran, kept it going. I'm not saying James Robinson is any of those guys ahead of him, but James Robinson, as a rookie last year, without draft capital, came in and had over a thousand yards on a terrible team, but he had a ton of work. So do they just you know distribute that a little bit? Look, you yeah. can say what you want about Carlos Hyde and and Todd Gurley and these older guys getting you know, mucking up backfields and, and uh, you know, Mark Ingram in Houston and stuff like that. But they're reliable. They're reliable in pass cover, uh, pass protection. They're reliable out of the backfield as, as um, pass catchers. They're reliable on the goal line. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget, Urban Meyer and uh, Carlos Hyde have a long history as well, right? So, um, I, I again, love the player, love the potential. I don't see myself drafting in redraft. I don't see a scenario at all unless James Robinson goes down preseason, which we hope he doesn't. I don't see one scenario in redraft. I end up with Travis Etienne on my teams. I agree. 1,000%. That brings us to the next running back. Uh, Ironically enough, even before Jamar Chase right now, based on ADP, Javante Williams is going as the third running back taken in drafts at 57th overall. He's currently going as a top 25 running back. The running back's going, he's going right ahead of Miles Gaskin, Mike Davis, Chase Edmonds, and of course, his counterpart, Melvin Gordon. So I'm asking you, Sky, you buying or selling at his current ADP? See that that one, that one's tricky. And this is I'm gonna I'm gonna flip the flip the role here a little bit on my reply from Najee Harris. In the running back ranking, I sell it. Again, we're talking redraft. This is important. Mm-hmm. In Dynasty, obviously, like these rookie running backs, you need to have way the hell up your list. Yeah. In redraft, in redraft, I, I think that's silly. I'm not a huge Miles Gaskin guy. I just, first of all, I don't necessarily believe in him. Secondly, I don't think he's going to be the only guy. We still have Adrian Peterson and Le'Veon Bell out there who is going to take somebody's job or at least be in a backfield eventually. Um, I'm going to sell where he's at in redraft among the running backs. I'm going to buy and raise, if you will, (laughs) where he's at overall. I've actually got Javante Williams, and I just big-upped him in the beginning of this podcast. Is My guy at the top, the running back I want at the top, is Javante Williams. I've got him at 48 overall right now, and I've got him going among – let's see here – Gus Edwards, Philip. I mean, he's in the he's in the back end. That's what that's what bothers me about this. Is like he's a backup running back for now. Do yeah. you think he's going to come in and be the starter? Because in redraft, if he's not the starter, I'm not drafting him there. Last year we got Jonathan Taylor in the third round. Okay, but it was that we didn't necessarily believe in Marlon Mack. Naheem Hines has always been kind of Naheem Hines, but we thought like the pedigree comes in with um, Jonathan Taylor, which. The draft capital is similar for Javante Williams, but I'm not sure that his college dominance was what it was of, of Jonathan Taylor. So we expected wow. him to get a role right off the bat there. So um, I love Javante Williams, but in redraft, I think I'm going to be a little bit more patient. I don't even like Melvin Gordon. I'm just a little bit more concerned about Javante Williams, I think. I just so this is the thing. Last year they kind of Philip Lindsay fed a role. He brought around eight, nine, ten carries a game behind playing behind Melvin Gordon. Javante Williams could easily take that. But another thing I want to keep in mind with this whole situation, I think a lot of teams 
do end up – they do think of advance. Melvin Gordon's a free agent after this year. Yep. So when they draft Javante Williams, they can groom him behind Melvin Gordon, and then he takes the role next year. Yep. First of all, the, the Jonathan Taylor thing, we don't know what would have happened with Marlon Mack because every person that drafted him in the third round feels vindicated at the end of the year when he started off slow. And we have no idea. At the time you he drafted was Jonathan Taylor. Yeah, I mean, Marlon or Mack. Even, yeah, People exactly. Marlon Exactly. Marlon Mack, we never got to see it. So we don't know. Like, honestly, I don't care what anybody says. Jonathan Taylor last year was not – we don't know if it was a good pick or not in the grand scheme of things because Marlon Mack, he got hurt week one. Not like week eight. He got hurt week one, like halfway through the game. Like, And it still took Jonathan Williams nearly like a half a season to get going. I just – so my thing is with this is like you're drafting Javante Williams before Melvin Gordon in drafts when Melvin Gordon's the starter. And I think Melvin Gordon, he is 28 years old. But I think this whole age thing, and listen, a lot of the stuff I'm doing now, I've done a lot of research on age analysis, and one of the things I'm doing next is for running backs. But one of the things I started realizing right away, Mark Ingram in his big season with Baltimore was 30 years old. 30 years old, yeah. You know, and then Adrian Peterson, his 1,000-yard season in his 30s. I just think that there's it's a little overblown, especially for the good running backs. I think you just see a lot less 30-year-old running backs because they fall off or they're not good enough. I totally get that, but they just don't play anymore. You know, so I think Melvin Gordon to me this season should be drafted ahead of Javante Williams in redraft. But I'm obsessed with Javante Williams in Dynasty. I truly am. I wrote a whole article on it uh, about how I believe in Melvin Gordon this year, but I think Javante Williams is going to be an absolute monster for Dynasty. And we'll talk a little bit about that in a little bit too when we do our picks. But I think you agree. I'm selling across the board. I think I'd rather have Melvin Gordon. I think Mike Davis, even in this case, if it's Chase Evans and PPR, probably try to uh, take him over Javante Williams. But I think Williams is going to play. And also keep in mind, Phil Lindsay had back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. Yep. He was the incumbent, and Melvin Gordon still came in and uh, and became the starter. So yep. this this team had a 1,000-yard rusher, brought in Melvin Gordon, and started him over him. So that's and another thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll wrap it up here. In 15 games last year, Melvin Gordon had 215 attempts which is the third most of his career. So he handled a quality workload. Yeah, He was 14 yards short of 1,000 rushing yards. He had 32 receiving yards, which is about his career average, if I'm just blanking numbers really quick, and about 160 receiving yards for 10 total touchdowns. That's not a super sexy running back necessarily that you love to have overall because I think he only had one big game versus the Jets when he accidentally ran like a 40-yard touchdown to end the game. But – He's solid overall. He's an RB2 all day long, yeah, right, exactly. with upside. Javante Williams is much more exciting, and I love the guy as much as you do, and I'm all about it long-term. And next year, if you're in a keeper league, I would reach for Javante Williams, hold him, eat it, and see yeah. what happens. If you're in a regular redraft league, though, I'm not saying go out and draft Melvin Gordon per se, but don't get too excited about some of these rookies like Michael Carter, who everybody is super hot about. In redraft, it's different. Dynasty, go do your thing. Get your guy, wait it out. In redraft, you got to be more patient. Melvin Gordon was extremely consistent last year. He didn't. He's been consistent. Of yeah, yeah. But the other thing I want to talk about here too is the Teddy. And I'm sorry, you, you went down. You slipped on the, the banana peel. There's like two guys that <laughs> I'm hot on. My, Miles Sanders and Melvin Gordon. I'm hot on right now. So you slipped right on it. Now go for it. Screw it. We, this is our podcast. We do whatever we want. Anyway. Now, another thing about this we're not talking about is Teddy Bridgewater's impact if he wins the job. Teddy Bridgewater will target the running backs a lot more. Last year, Drew Locke, between Teddy B in Carolina, Drew Locke in Denver, it was about 8% difference in target share to running backs. So that's another element now to this that Melvin Gordon's probably going to be the bell, uh, the 
the passing down back still. Even if Javante Williams takes over that Philip Lindsay taking some early down work, I think Melvin Gordon's still going to be the trusted guy in pass pro, still the trusted guy on the goal line. And if Teddy Bridgewater is a quarterback, that's just more targets for that. That volume can go up. So I think Melvin Gordon, I'm not saying go draft Melvin Gordon as the running back 15. I'm not saying you don't even have to do that. You could draft him at RB 25, 26. He's going to give you RT, RB2 value. And that's all for now. <laughs> oh, man, I, yeah. And I'm, I am excited about it. I'm, I'm really bummed. And here's my, here's my moldy banana peel that's like in the garbage <laughs> that, that unfortunately got thrown away two years ago. I'm sorry. My boy, my boy, Royce Freeman, man. Just, yeah. Just well, fantasy, fantasy RIP. I mean, well, Royce Freeman is one of my favorite dynasty buys because of the fact that he is a free agent next year. One of the tips, one of our tips and tricks that we should probably talk about with dynasty is the fact that one of the things I just talked to you about you right before we started. Go check out 2022 free agents and see who's coming a free agent next year. One of the things I've noticed right away, draft capital matters for success for running backs and pretty much across the board, any position. So he has draft capital. Plus, Royce Freeman's been productive in the time that he's gotten work. So Freeman. Royce Freeman next year, you can get him for nothing. You can get him for nothing. You can probably get him for a third-round pick. If you don't know who to take, you can offer the guy. I actually have him in my one dynasty. Not even fourth-round yeah. pick, dude. People, he's well, that's it, but I only have three. I only have three rounds, and it's oh. so I can't. My one thing. Sorry, imaginary fourth-round pick. I could probably still get him for the imaginary fourth-round pick. But that's this is the kind of stuff you have to look at. He has a little bit of draft pedigree. He becomes a free agent next year. He could find himself into a role. You get him for free. That's a great name tomorrow. Same thing with like Sony Michelle. He's a free agent next year. He's going to have no value this year, but he could land on his feet, former first-round pick. These are the kind of guys that if you get later in dynasty drafts, dynasty restarts, and these are the type of players where next year you want to get – when you're drafting in the 20th round of a restart in dynasty, you want to know within the next year or two yeah. if that player could work out long-term. So within the next year or two, you're going to know if Royce Freeman lands somewhere. Like let's say he lands in Atlanta and he becomes – he has to, to battle with Mike Davis – he could easily become the ne- hit the lead guy there. That's just an example of what could happen. So I like to have uh, my capital later in drafts on guys that I'll have decisions on almost immediately instead of having a backup or a seventh-round pick that might never work out. So just great name. That was a great name drop. I think that's someone to monitor too. Love it. Let's get a couple more a couple more ADP yeah. picks here, and then uh, we'll, we'll get into the mock. All right, so Javante, uh, Jamar Chase, our first wide receiver, is going at 61st overall. He's going ahead of his teammate T. Higgins, Brandon Ayuk, and he's also going ahead of Chase Claypool in that sixth round range. That makes that makes Chase uh, Chase Clay. I'm sorry. Let me just back up here for a second. So Jamar Chase is your wide receiver. Of course, I didn't do it. Sorry. Right. Let me let me know what you think. Overall, I'll get you his his wide ADP for wide receivers. Right now, his ADP sixty first overall. You buying or selling? Uh, it seems too early. I mean, for him to be the first bangle off the board for wide receivers doesn't make sense. Again, we're talking redraft. This is important. I don't want people blowing me up, being like, Jamar Chase is going to be amazing for 20 years. That He might. But T. Higgins could also, and Tyler Boyd is still very good as well. I know that they have the rapport with Joe Burrow. Um, now, look, it, it, what's great for Jamar Chase is not only is he rolling into this quarterback he already knows, and a vacancy opened up by, you know, my boy AJ Green, who is now in Arizona, he could get peppered as well. And look, there is definitely a, a an opportunity for him to be the best fantasy wide receiver overall at the end of this season. 
I'm not sure, though, that I'm going to draft it that way. A, Joe Burrow's coming back off of an injury. He was a rookie last year, played exceptional in eight weeks, but they were down significantly every game. He was throwing the most passes in the NFL per game by far. We'll see if that actually happens. Joe Mixon is back healthy again. We'll see if that changes the scheme a little bit. And T. Higgins obviously proved himself as last year's Jamar Chase, essentially, coming yeah. into that offense. So I'm going to sell it overall. Um, and I I have uh, off the board in redraft, I have T. Higgins. It'll probably be Jamar Chase and then Tyler Boyd. But Tyler Boyd is probably the guy that I I'm going to draft because he's going to yeah. fall to like the ninth round, and he's Jarvis Landry with more upside. Yeah, I agree. And the thing with Tyler Boyd, too, he plays the middle of the field. He diversifies his targets from Chase and Higgins. Higgins and them mm-hmm. will be on the outside. If we want to compare it to the Dallas Cowboys situation, it was mm-hmm. CeeDee Land in the slot, Cooper on the outside, and then Gallup took the back seat. I might be buying Chase. I So I'm not a big rookie guy. I'm not. But the thing is, one of the biggest hiccups last year, I'm trying to learn on the spot here, was I do my opportunity analysis, and the two teams that they were at the top were the Dallas Cowboys and the Minnesota Vikings. And sure enough, who emerged? Justin Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb. This year, the Bengals are one of the top teams in my analysis. And it makes me look at, like, okay, the targets are going to be there for, uh, for a guy like Chase. Plus, he's got the built-in rapport with Joe Burrow. And now we're talking, this guy's supposed to be, like, one of the best prospects we've had in the last 10 years. So – Camp reports are going to matter. Obviously, if you're drafting in May and you're just doing some best ball, I would take him here. I'm not, I don't have a problem with that, but I'm going to be watching very closely to see how it sounds. What's the reports coming out of camp? Because I think you're right. The guy I'm probably going to have the most of is Tyler Boyd. I've drafted him back to back leagues already. So I'm big on Tyler Boyd. I love his value because you're right. He falls to the ninth round in 12 team league. So I do agree, but I think I might be buying Jamar Chase because of the upside. Um, top 10 picks, there's a 27% chance they become elite versus much less for you know later round, first round picks, and second round picks. So that's one thing of one of my researches that I've done. So I think I am buying Jamar Chase. All right, let's jump into Kyle Pitts. He's the first tight, rookie tight end taken off the board. No surprise. The only one we're going to talk about today. Kyle Pitts going right behind Jamar Chase at 68th overall. The craziest part is going as the tight end five, going ahead mm-hmm. of guys like TJ Hawkinson, my boy Logan Thomas, Dallas Goddard, Noah Fant. So the question is, are you buying or selling a Kyle Pitts fifth tight end off the board at 68th overall? In redraft, I'm selling all day long. There's no way. In redraft. Uh, Dynasty, you could make a case. In Dynasty, you could make a case depending Uh on your team development. You could draft him second overall depending on what you need. Yeah, if you're in a, if you're in a, if you're in a super flex league, you could draft them top five, top six, depending yeah. on your team needs. Um, but in redraft, again, look, do I expect uh, Kyle Pitts to be like a lot of these? Evan Ingram is the comp because he was the last rookie tight end to really come in and blow up, but he's also been plagued by injuries. Um, yeah. He's also had a lot of weapons around him. He's also had solid quarterback play um, and a quality run game, which – I expect Atlanta to have all of that minus maybe the quality run game because we just don't know yet with Mike Davis. Mike and Davis. what, Jamie and Hawkins? You know, we'll see. And <laughs> whatever, happens, well, whatever happens with Julio, we'll see what happens on there. But, right, yeah, it's a big caveat. But but if if I'm if I'm you know going apples to apples, I think Kyle Pitts is going to be far better than Evan Ingram in this year, in his rookie year, and probably in his career overall, if he can stay healthy. The, the 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 issue is top five in redraft? No. Kelsey Kittle, Waller, 
Andrews for me is top four, no questions asked. I'm going to put your boy Hawkinson at number five. I'm also going to put TJ or uh, Dallas Goddard for now at uh, six. Um, I've got Noah Fant and I've got Logan the Hitman Thomas up at number eight. So that's my top eight. I've got Kyle Pitts at number nine, just ahead so, of Robert Tunyon. And if Robert Tunyon definitely gets Aaron Rodgers back, we'll see what happens with that too. But there's some question marks with those guys below him. So Kyle Pitts is top 10 for me in redraft. Redraft is important. Um, I could see him going ahead of Logan Thomas because I just don't know what Fitz is going to do. He could mm-hmm. jump Noah Fant too, depending on who the quarterback is. Right. And if Zach Ertz somehow stays in Philadelphia, which I don't think will happen, but if he stays in Philadelphia, I could see Dallas Goddard falling as well. So Kyle Pitts could be my number six, but either way, I'm not putting him over Hawkinson, Andrews Waller, Kittle, or Kelsey. So technically I'm going to sell on five, but he could be my number six with reason. I think the thing, we, there's a couple factors in all this is, is how many starting bench, uh, starting spots you have. Is it two receivers, three wide, uh, two running backs, three wide receivers and a flex? Because that matters to me, because if you're drafting him in the sixth round, you have to take him versus another starting receiver or running back in that range. The other thing is it's not apples to apples either, because if I'm a big Tyler Higby guy and you can get Tyler Higby at 118th overall. So you can draft him probably four to five rounds later and you can fill up on running backs and wide receivers and fill out your rest of your flex spots. Um, but if you're in a very shallow league, for example, two like you only have five starting spots between flex players, meaning like two running backs, two wide receivers, and a flex, and you fill up all those five spots, and now you're in the six and Kyle Pitts is there, I can be maybe a little more open to it than I would a deeper league. The other thing, too, is we know rookie, rookie tight ends struggle. You just brought that up. My thing is why are you going to draft a guy high knowing that he's got that 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 hamper to him? I know that a lot of people are saying he's going to be like a, a glorified slot receiver. But you know what? Until we've seen it, I know Kyle Pitts could be the first, but we've never seen it. It's never really happened. Even Evan Ingram wasn't a top five tight end the first year he did it. I mean, we're talking about top 12. Like, oh, yeah, he was a top 12. Evan Ingram was like a top 10 tight end that year. But that's what they were. That's like the, the pinnacle of being it. So I just And that was a lot of injuries. Odell got hurt. Um, they lost uh, Victor Cruz that year. There was a bunch of guys that got hurt. So just keep that in mind as well. So I think why cap yourself knowing try to find – tight ends that can blow up that have everything going for them. They're on a team that's already established, good quarterback, know the system. Why draft a tight end early that's a rookie when you know historically it doesn't work? That's I will and, and I will say you flip you flip over to Dynasty and like I just said, draft Kyle oh, Pitts yeah. wherever you want. Oh yeah. Take him second overall. Take him yep. first. I don't give a shit. Yep. Your team needs yep. a tight end mm-hmm. for the next 10 years, yep. go get Kyle Pitts in Dynasty. In redraft, oh. you have to have that conversation. Now, I will put one more caveat, and I know that you and Dweez, I believe, talked about this in length, um, but Arthur Smith coming over from Tennessee Mm -hmm. to take over in Atlanta is huge because he is a tight ends coach. That's what he does, offensive coordinator, and he's moved up the chain. Um, That helps Kyle Pitts, obviously. Matt Ryan has peppered back to Tony Gonzalez back in the day, right? He has peppered um, his, his tight ends. So that bodes well also. Now, I will put a, a caveat on this, and we'll move on. We're going to have to have this conversation in, let's see, what is today's date? The 28th. We're recording this. You'll hear this on the 29th. The league year turns over after this weekend. Julio Jones is most likely going to get traded next week. When Julio Jones gets traded, Kyle Pitts, 
might be top three in most people's rankings because if he's a slot receiver in his body and they use him that way, it's game over, right? Yeah. So, yeah. and I, I don't think that's impossible because if Julio leaves, which he will leave, when Julio leaves, Calvin really becomes the number one. Who's the number two wide receiver automatically? Yeah. Russell Gage? No, he's a slot guy, you know? Well, um, that's right. So, Kyle Pitts, even if he doesn't play receiver, he plays tight end, but he might just be second in targets. And if that becomes a case, it's just volume. And at the tight end position, we know that 50 catches for 500 yards and five touchdowns makes you a top 10. You know, you, you make all that 880, 808, you're, you know, top five. And of course, unfortunately, some of these guys won't stay healthy. So we'll see what happens with Julio. But right now I'm tempering expectations and redraft on a rookie tight end. Dynasty, go get him. But once Julio leaves, we're going to have to reevaluate this. Yeah, and Anthony Ferkser led the Titans last year in slot routes. So, you know, it's 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 not like it's foreign to Arthur Smith. As a tight end under Arthur Smith. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, even though Anthony Ferkser is going to be better than, than Kyle Pitts this year in redraft. Bam. Anyway, <laughs> so the next guy we're going to talk – we're going to talk about a couple more guys and we'll head out. So Devonta Smith, uh, 84th overall right now. You know, he's going ahead of the likes of Jerry Judy, Curtis Samuel, Will Fuller, Debo, Brandon Cooks. Now, 80, it's that's the wide receiver 35 in that range. So are you buying or selling Devonta Smith at the ADP 84 wide receiver 35? I think that's a I think that's a proper range for him, to be honest. I just yeah. don't see anybody else in Philadelphia taking the opportunity from him. And like I'm just kind of looking around the guys that are around him and stuff. And frankly, I just, I, it makes the most sense that he's the number one right away. I love my boy, Jalen Rager. I hope he is mm-hmm. the guy, but he was banged up last year. He had a COVID issue, whatever, played pretty well on some deep bombs, but didn't have the consistency. JJ, I think a white side is sailed most likely. Um, and look, I mean, whether I like it or not, hopefully they feed Miles Sanders and, the number one pass catcher should be uh, Devonta Smith and then Dallas Goddard, I would imagine. So um, I'll buy that. Although me saying that I'm not, I'm not rushing out to get him. in yeah. rookie and rookie mock drafts. I'm getting Jamar chase or I'm waiting for, you know, Rashawn Bateman or my boy, Deami Brown or some of these deeper guys. I, I don't, the Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith package. I know they could have super upside. It screams Henry Ruggs to me though, and I can't get it out of my brain. And I hate to do that to the kid, but I can't undo it in my brain, and it makes me nervous. So I'm gonna buy where he's at. I think it makes sense. I don't know that I would buy it personally. You know, I agree. I think the other thing too is like Jerry Judy, for example. If Teddy Bridgewater wins the starting job, I'll probably buy Jerry Judy. I think that Teddy B is actually a serviceable quarterback. Drew Locke was way too inconsistent. Jerry Judy, um, I know man, sky's the limit. That dude had yeah, he, he, I think what he's was awesome. he like seventh in drops. He had eight drops in a game or something stupid. I mean, like he just gets the if he gets the rookie jitters out, which Amari Cooper had as well. Let's not forget. Yeah, um, yeah. Amari Cooper shook it, and he's Amari Cooper now. Jerry Judy could straight up, he could absolutely be a wide receiver one in this league if the quarterback is up to par. So I'll, I'll take the shot on Jerry Judy as well yeah. in redraft. Yeah, 100%. All right. So next guy's Michael Carter, 97th overall. He's already in the top 100, which is just completely bananas. Um, this is he's a 35th. I, I don't even, <laughs> okay. need, I don't even right. need the numbers. 
Don't even yeah. need the numbers. Okay. Cool. This is a sell. Cool. It's it's right. it's it's the other competition. And here's the deal. Uh, I, I mentioned this. <laughs> I mentioned this a while ago. I can't see myself actually rooting for the Jets. It just doesn't make sense to me. Other than Gary Vaynerchuk, I have no connections to the Jets outside of Robert Sala, who's my guy from San yeah. Francisco, and um, uh, LaFleur, who came over as well. One thing that I know that the Jets are going to do, at least try to do it, especially with a, run, a young quarterback, is they're going to run the ball a lot. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. What they're also going to do is they're going to run the ball a lot with four different running backs. That's not awesome. For Michael okay. Carter, Ty Johnson, who nobody remembers anymore, and he's free. The, a tweet just came yeah. out today. I forget who the I forget who the the resource was. A tweet came out <laughs> this morning that Ty Johnson was getting like lead reps. They still have Michael Pirine, right? They and then they yeah. have Michael Carter, who yes, he might lead the team in receptions. He could lead the team in fantasy points because of those catches. Is he going to be somebody that you can rely on all the time in a bad offense with a rookie quarterback trailing constantly in a committee? Absolutely not. The draft capital's out of hand. I'm going to pass. All right. I don't need to add anything. Trevor Lawrence, two picks later, 99th overall. The thing with Trevor Lawrence, I totally get it. He's 15th quarterback. He's going ahead of Kirk Cousins, Mayfield, Wentz, and Roethlisberger. So what are your thoughts there? Are you buying or selling Trevor Lawrence as a top 15 quarterback in 2021? Yeah, I'm bringing him up right here. I got I got to bring this up here on my redrafts. Where's T-Law? I've got him at 22. Um, I've got him behind Cam, Big Ben, Kirk Cousins, Baker Mayfield, Carson Wentz. So all those guys that <laughs> he's yeah. around, I've got him behind everybody. Again, a lot of it comes down to how do the Jags look? It's you know, it's it's May, it's it's June, pretty much. It's still early with these rookies. I just have to see it. I believe in Trevor Lawrence for the next twenty years. He could be the best we've ever seen. Who who knows? This year on a bad team with a brand new uh, NFL coach with a who knows run game with pretty good wide receivers, but nobody's unbelievable, with a terrible defense, I just don't know. I don't know. I, I could see him being my top 15, as you said, uh, but I've got him at 22 right now because there's other – like, look, Cam Newton's not even a quarterback anymore. He will most likely have more fantasy points than Trevor Lawrence if he plays the whole season. Big Ben oh, isn't moving anymore. I think he could also have that same – Carson Wentz could come around. Baker's improved. Kirk Cousins is top 12 every year, but I can't rank him there. So I'm going to sell it reluctantly, but understand that in a couple months, he could absolutely be top 15 if if he is advertised with that team. And once Tim Tebow starts catching 12 balls a game, he's going to skyrocket. Tim Tebow can't wait. All right. So Trey Sherman, uh, the last one I want to talk about, and then I'll let you, oh, let you pick any guy you want to talk about too, is, is Trey Sermon. So your boy, yeah. he's already up to 103 now. Uh, that puts him inside the top 40 for running backs. He's actually going as the RB38 overall. So I think he's 38 overall for running backs, 103. Um, he's going ahead of guys like Chenault, James Conner, uh, Jarvis Landry, Damian Harris, and Michael Pittman. So you're buying or selling your boy, Trey Sermon, at, Man, that, at that dress you, cost. Yeah, it's, it's really, really tough because I got fandom involved in this. I've said it multiple times since he got drafted to the 49ers. I'll just take Michael Carter and Trey Sermon. Okay, totally different backs, but let's just take both of those guys and swap their teams. If Michael mm-hmm. Carter was on the 49ers and Trey Sermon was on the Jets, I would be buying Michael Carter and selling Trey Sermon. Right. Because it's the other way around, I guess for sake of this question, I'm buying Trey Sermon. Okay. I believe in Raheem Mostert. I know there's other guys. There. Let's not forget Wayne Goleman. 
I know he's not awesome. Nobody's going to draft him. He's a professional running back who has stepped in well for your Giants behind Saquon Barkley, and he has been at least 75% Saquon Barkley when Saquon's been out the last two years. He's not a bad running back. And Michael, uh, uh, um, the Shanahan offense and this offensive line can make any running back quality. So he's out there. Jermichael Hasty's out there still. And Elijah Mitchell, who I mentioned earlier, and Raheem Mostert. Yeah. I like taking the chance on him. But, again, a rookie is totally different. And redraft, I don't know, man. Like last year, were you were you drafting Tevin Coleman or Jeff Wilson in the 12th round? Yeah. Were you drafting him in, like, the 8th where you're going to have to get Trey Sermon now? Yeah. No. Now, Moser could go down in week two, and Trey Sermon could be an RB6 the rest of the year. That could absolutely happen. If you're willing to take that risk and you have everything else filled in and you're you're taking shots and Trey Sermon's that guy, I would say pull the trigger. If you're saying, I bank on Moser getting hurt, I guarantee Sermon's going to be the guy come week four. That's just too risky for me for where he's going. The hype is real because Jeff Wilson went down. I love the yeah. landing spot. The player's good enough, but there's also three or four other guys who are good enough, in my opinion. Yeah, the problem is we're, we're talking about this in May. In August, we'll have more clarity on this. if he exactly. Because Wayne Goldman's number two as we speak today, and that's just coach speak. I know he's the veteran, but you're right about Wayne Goldman. He is, they actually just come out and said he's number two, but that, guess who's number one? Mostert. So I think if, if today, if I'm drafting, you can take eight, nine turn. You can take Mostert, you can take Sermon, and you can just hope for the best. That's not a terrible idea. Like the other thing, the other thing with the San Francisco running backs, it's all been injuries since 2018. It was Matt Breda, then it was Mostert, then it was Coleman, then it was McKinnon. Everybody gets hurt. It's not like they keep rotating backs because they're all healthy and they just don't know what to do with them. They just he they've literally had the and you know this better than anybody. They've had the sure worst do. luck since since Carlos Hyde left in 2017. They've had literally every year their starting running back gets hurt every year. And misses multiple games. Not like, hey, I got hurt and I'm back the next week. It's multiple games. So in the end, it looks like, oh, yeah, they're only getting, you know, 11 carries a game on the year. It's like, no, well, they're actually getting closer to 15 when they play. So it's just like, you know, I think I think the 8-9 turn, if it stays right there, Mostert's not going to go higher. I think the problem is it's going to go – Sermon's going to go up past Mostert. And then I'm not going to take Sermon. It's going to be the same concept. We just talked about this a little bit earlier with a guy like Travis Etienne where we know that the running back is going to be split early on and you're going to be paying a higher cost when the guy is going to be wasting on your bench probably the first month or so of the season, and you're banking on an injury to Mostert. If Mostert doesn't get hurt, the guy's awesome. Mostert is so good. and can't stay healthy. Yep. I just don't see Sermon taking Mostert's job unless he gets hurt. You know which 49ers running back has stayed healthy over the last 10 years? Frank Gore. Ladies yeah, and gentlemen. He- the Niners should have never moved on from Frank Gore. I don't want to. I don't. Don't get me fired up on Frankie G. I'll, I'll, right. uh, hopefully, I can do his uh, his introduction at the Hall of Fame. We'll see. He's not returning my calls yet, but I'm sure he's busy. <laughs> he will. He will. Okay. Um, as we wrap up here, and you know, listeners, we're we're about an hour into the episode. We like to keep it about an hour. We've gone long on this, which is totally great. I'm I'm into these ADP breakdowns. They mean more than the mock draft we were gonna do. We're gonna bump the mock draft to uh, next week. We'll do it then. Um, I want to talk about a couple more guys here and then we'll move on. Let's stay, uh, stay in San Francisco. Let's go to the quarterback. I have the rookie bring up. Why don't you bring up overall where he's at while I'm talking Trey Lance of the 49ers. Yeah. He's outside. Yeah. Good. (laughs) This one, this one's going to be really interesting because it all comes down to, you know, does he start? Do you take the chance on him? Whatever. 
we're having this conversation to redraft on purpose. I think a lot of people are probably listening to this podcast saying, why are you talking rookies and redraft? Most of them don't even pan out. Most of them don't play much. Uh, it's all about dynasty, dynasty, dynasty with rookies. Well, here's the deal. A lot of people play redraft still, and a lot of these rookies are going to have to get drafted. It's a matter of are you drafting them where they're going to be. Trey Lance is that quarterback in a single quarterback league that I'm probably taking a flyer on. He's my Justin Herbert this year. Last year, I was taking Justin Herbert with my 16th, 17th round pick. We'll see what happens if Terod Taylor doesn't pan out or he doesn't play well or he gets hurt. Maybe Justin nice. will have a good opportunity. He's got high upside with a high-powered offense. We'll see what happens. Terod Taylor went down. The team rigged the, rigged the system so that Herbert got to play yeah. more. The rest is history. He broke all the records. That could happen with Trey Lance um, this year. If Jimmy gets hurt or he doesn't pan out, it's going to be Jimmy day one. It just is, unless they trade him. After June 1st, which they could because of the contract, which could still happen. Yeah. But but if Jimmy starts, Trey Lance is a guy that I don't want any part of in single quarterback redraft leagues. But I will absolutely draft him in the 15th, 16th, 17th round, knowing that A, Jimmy probably won't stay healthy. B, he could be unproductive for some reason and lose his job. And you're drafted Trey Lance third overall. The kid's going to play eventually. And when he does, that rushing upside, the big arm, and the weapons around him, I love Trey Lance. Question, Bobby, is A, where's he going overall in redraft, and are you going to take him there? Because I'm I'm all in, but you need to temper expectations, obviously, because right now he's the back. Yeah, you know what the thing is? I can't – I can't – I don't take two – typically take two quarterbacks unless I – like this is – so he's 167th overall, so he's free. I'm not saying he, you're putting capital into him. The problem is he's not if he's not starting week one, you're drafting a guy, putting him a backup quarterback on your bench that might play. You know, it's not like you you could see right away if he's good. I'd much rather take two quarterbacks and see like I did this in 2018 with Lamar Jackson. I drafted him in Great. all my leagues, and but you know who the guy I drafted with him was Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> so so like as cool as it sounds, when I drafted Lamar Jackson, it couldn't get worse. But I did that because they were mobile quarterbacks, young in systems that were staying the same system continuity say all the time. I'd rather do that and see where it goes because the, listen, Trey Lance could be good. I'm not saying he can't, but he's not the starter. So like, unless you draft Jimmy G and him and you believe if, if I believed in the starter a little bit more, I would maybe consider it, but it's gotta be how deep is the league. It's standard redraft, 15 rounds, not drafting them, you know, dynasty, all that stuff. Of course, even in deeper startups, if you're doing a, a, a deeper league where you have like, you know, super flex, for example. Yes, Trey Lance is definitely on your radar. Take him as a QB2 and then pair him with a veteran that's low, like Carson Wentz, for example, and just have those guys ready to go. And if he does get started, I get it. But overall, regular standard redraft, I unless he wins the job, no, I'm not drafting him. Fair enough. I'm going to give you a couple wide receivers here quickly. Um, Rashad Bateman for the Ravens. Yeah. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown for the Lions. And my boy Deami Brown in Washington for the football team. Rashad Bateman, look, all of these guys are question marks. That's why I'm bringing them up. They're going to be way deep in redraft. These guys are going to be 12th later, 12th, 15th round picks. Um, Rashad Bateman should come in and be the number one target outside of Mark Andrews in, in, in Baltimore. I think that. I don't believe in Marquise Brown. If he was more productive than maybe, at worst case, he's the number two um, behind uh, Mark Andrews and, and, uh, Marquise Brown, so the number two wide receiver, but I like that. I think what people aren't realizing, and I've been a Lamar Jackson truther since he came out of Louisville. Louisville, excuse me. Um, 
dominated at college, won the Heisman Trophy as a prolific runner, which we've seen in the NFL, but also as a prolific passer. The dude can throw the ball. He can throw it deep, which we've seen, and his accuracy is not amazing. I understand that, but he's also in a Greg Roman offense that saw Colin Kaepernick dominate as well as a runner and a kind of passer that doesn't need the quarterback to pass the ball, but he's also not had the weapons. They drafted a couple wide receivers last year, bring in Sammy Watkins. There's a lot of they're moving in the the they're moving in the direction that tells me that they know what they have as a running quarterback in Lamar Jackson. Dominant, the best in the NFL on the ground. But we saw with Mike Vick, he was the best for 10 years. He took one lick and the dude was done. Right? Kyler Murray last year was absolutely on fire, the number one quarterback in fantasy football by far. He got hurt, banged up his shoulder, not the same quarterback the rest of the season. If Lamar Jackson ends up getting hurt, there's going to be a problem with that entire offense. They could be leaning more toward passing. If they do that, Rashad Bateman is the biggest body. He's the best all-around receiver, in my opinion. He's a red zone target, and Lamar Jackson could feed him there. Amon Ross St. Brown for the Lions should slot in right away as the number one B, number two latest. Don't love Jared Goff, but there's a ton of opportunity there for Amon Ross St. Brown. He's hot in rookie dynasty leagues, but also keep an eye on him in redraft because I think he could be your wide receiver five or six and a good spot start in bye weeks. And then De'Ami Brown, same thing in Washington football team. Terry McLaurin is that guy, obviously. They bring in Curtis Samuel. He's going to be that guy too. They're going to have a strong run game. De'Ami Brown, though, is the biggest body down there. He's a deep threat, which they don't really have in those other guys. And we know that Fitz likes to chuck it deep there, which we saw in Tampa Bay and the rest of his career. So De'Ami Brown, is he's kind of been my sleeper from this draft class. He's going to continue to be my sleeper. May not do much for quite a while, but if one of those top guys go down or Fitz stays healthy and they end up just chucking it, I do like De'Ami Brown as a um, you know definitely a best ball target, but redraft late too for bye weeks. And if one of those guys go down, I think De'Ami Brown could certainly impress, and he's not on the radar in redraft specifically. Bobby, any thoughts on these three guys here, um, or we can get out of here? Yeah, so one of the things I re- researched over the last 10 years, I looked at draft capital and how it produces fantasy relevant guys. So for the benchmark I used was nine points per game in their career, which surprising is not, you would think there'd be so many guys with much more points, but it, it, anyway, day three picks, for example, they don't work out yep. that much. 2.6% hit rate. And that, that to me is like, a, I know St. Brown is going into the slot role and this and that, but that capital to me, you know, there's 4% of fourth round receivers have actually produced consistently enough for fantasy to have nine points per game in their career and nine points per game in their careers. Isn't even startable year over year. I mean, that's, it's just adjusting for some slower starts. Now I think that to me right there, just like, that's why when I look at it, it's, it's first and second round at 42% hit rate for first round, 38% 38% for second round hit rate. That tells me that second round receivers and first round receivers are kind of the same. There's a lot more second round receivers than first, but the hit rate is still relatively close. That means that any guy like Rondell Moore, Elijah Moore, all these guys, to me, I'm open-minded to all of them to see how it would work out for them. But year one, I don't think I'm buying anybody for redraft. I just, I think outside of Chase, I don't really know if I'm in love with anybody at the receiver position, Devonta Smith, maybe, but at the same time, I just, I've seen too many times, Justin Jefferson was not the consensus number one receiver last year. And he became that guy. 
So, and a lot of us, yes, people draft him. But remember, the first two weeks did not go well for him, and he probably was dropped in some leagues. I think C.D. Lamb's the only guy that really start to finish kind of gave us something. So I think the first thing I want to look at is who's the quarterback? You know, is the quarterback somebody that's elite that's going to be able to prop up? Also looking at my opportunity analysis. So those are the kind of things I'll look at. I don't have a specific guy based on where they've landed right now today that I feel confident in and I'm going to draft. I've always been higher on taking veterans, for example, that are going into it. Like John Brown is a good example of a guy with this current circumstance could be taking over the Nelson Aguilar role, which was a top 30 play last year. And he's a better deep threat than Nelson Aguilar. So that's the kind of stuff. So probably not buying anybody. Bateman specifically, what worries me about Bateman is the low pass volume. We can sit here all day and pretend it's not true, but it is. They're not going to ever be an elite level team throwing the football. They're going to, yes, Lamar Jackson two years ago was so efficient, but really it was, it was Mark Andrews was the only one that truly dominated in the receiving core. So yes, Lamar Jackson was an MVP, you know, threw the ball very accurately, was very good. Mark Andrews from a fantasy perspective was the only guy to really be a factor in the pass game. So I don't think, I think Marquise Brown is a great number two. I think Bateman will be the one. I do believe that, but it's one A, one B maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to be, Bateman's going to get 130 targets. I think it's, he's going to struggle to get around 100, and that's not going to be enough for fantasy. I, I'd rather find a guy that's going to get more volume. Fair. I like it. And and rookie wide receivers are tough. I know everybody sees the golden nugget, and you see a guy like Odell Beckham years ago in 2014. You see a guy like Justin Jefferson last year, and you want that player. The reality is even C.D. Lamb, who probably would have been all-world if Dak stayed healthy, yeah. it wasn't up to him. Dak got hurt. Things changed. So it's going to be interesting. So I just wanted some deeper names because, <clears throat> again, and not every deep name has to be a sleeper. It's just like, look, and I'm not saying that these names I'm, I'm mentioning are going to be close to Justin Jefferson, but you have to have wide receiver fives, wide receiver sixes, guys on your bench that you draft that might be good in week six because if you miss them on draft day, you may be the wrong order on the waiver wire that week and not have enough yeah. fab to get them, and then yeah. you lose out. And tough shit. I mean, it just it happens all the time. So I like to have the last three or four picks of my bench. Um, I usually run six or seven bench. Just that's how I like. I like a deep bench at least mm -hmm. to give yourself a chance. Um, and I like to have the last couple picks being flyers that I honestly believe, if they get the opportunity, will stick and stay. I just I don't like the one trick ponies and stuff like Henry Ruggs last year. I had zero interest in. I don't believe in the Raiders. I don't believe in Derek Carr. I didn't necessarily believe in the player. And we saw what happened last year. It didn't work out. I was all over Brian Edwards, who nobody even remembers this year from the Raiders. He got hurt, never yeah. really panned out, but he was the guy that I was after. And it didn't work yeah. out, but that's that's kind of how – because I felt like he was such a better option in that offense and the two or three games he was healthy, he was. So just keeping an eye on some of those deeper names because you have to fill out your roster – and as much as I love flyers and guys who might pan out, I want a guy that like, look, it might take me five weeks, but if I can eat it on my bench and, and keep that spot rotating, that's where I might find a guy um, that's a little bit deeper in in uh, in, in, yeah. in the position and it can sh and show up. I almost, but the thing is with rookies, we always talk about this. You need to invest at least five, six, seven weeks into them because you yep. want to give them time. One month. They, give it one month. Yeah. Well, yeah, whatever it is. But my thing is I'd rather, I, and it does work sometimes, but the hit rate is so low that, you know, if you find the right guy, great. If you got Justin Jefferson last year, kudos. But if you had Henry Ruggs, you're a dunce. That's what I mean. Like 
It's there's more likely you get Henry Ruggs on your bench from a rookie. Yep. However, one of the things you should do is go back a year ago, look at your notes and find those rookies that you love, like Brian Edwards. Great nugget because Brian Edwards is still a guy yep. who no one cares about anymore because he just had a down year. Who, if this fall, this if you start hearing this in the summer that he's starting, he's looking good, he looks healthy. That's a guy I'd rather invest in than a Elijah Moore with Zach Wilson and that team. That's a, totally that's agree. a great example. Hundred percent agree on that. And the same thing with Jalen. Uh, sorry, Jalen. Um, I apologize. Uh, Brandon Ayuk last year. He's the hotness this year because of how he ended out the season. Yeah. But let's not forget. Okay, let's not forget. He was literally the only weapon for the 49ers for about 10 weeks last year. I'm not saying he's bad, and I love the pick when we got him yeah. uh, from Arizona State. I think he's going to be a stud. But he was not the hotness in fantasy last year. He was, a, he was a, a person of opportunity, took advantage of it, and crushed. Now people are drafting him way above Debo Samuel. Yeah. So why not get Debo Samuel three rounds later? I know. You know I know. Just I like, feel the same way. And, yeah. and, and again, I'm going to put this in here. We're going to get out. I just have to mention it because I saw a tweet about it earlier, and I got excited. We're talking about deep names. If you have a roster spot to kill on a dynasty league, oh, please, please go pick up my man Jalen Hurd. Jalen Hurd. He has not played yet. Two torn ACLs. He may never play it down in the NFL. But uh, there's more people. I promise you, Bobby, there's more people right now that have Andrew Luck, Julian Edelman, and Josh Gordon on their dynasty leagues than Jalen Hurd. I promise you. Okay. And Jalen Hurd could actually come in and be uh, be a, a viable asset. And if he stays healthy, they've been talking about him for three years. They love him. He's a dual threat player. He fits the scheme perfectly. He's already, I've been saying it, he's the most talented wide receiver on the team already, and he hasn't played. Please go find Jalen Hurd. You'll thank me later if he plays. Well, my deep guy is Ty Johnson. I've been I on love- Ty Johnson. I think that it's been, if we're in May and you're just doing a, a dynasty startup, take him in the last round because – those are the guys that if he – let's say, for example, let's say Carter is the guy. Fine, great. You just drop him and you pick up another guy. It's not a big deal at all, but we don't know anything right now. And this is a great example. The Shanahan scheme yeah. does not just hand the keys over over to rookies. They just don't do that. Look at Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman's a great example. In Back when 2015 when he was drafted with Shanahan, he was Shanahan's guy, picked in the third round. What did they do? They gave Devonta Freeman – who was the previous the coaching staff, previous coaching offensive coaching staff's guy, and they gave him all the work. He was the RB1 that year. So my thing is, it's not a given that the rookie running back will automatically take over in the scheme. They, the Shanahan's will go with the guy who is the best fit, and that could be the guy who's an incumbent. Let's not forget that Tevin Coleman is now also oh, one of those. Yeah. Great yeah. segue. One of those, uh, one of those Jets running backs all right we're going to get out of here before we do that i am going to give a quick shout out we ran long today and i didn't want to take a break so before we get out of here i do want to give a quick shout out here to the jersey jungle and bomb banana hot sauce jersey jungle make sure to go check them out on instagram good friends of the show you can find authentic jerseys any sport we have the nba playoffs going on we have the nhl playoffs going on baseball is in full swing we have football we have all world soccer um, you have any alternative sports, softball, volleyball, anything else, you have an all-world player, you can check them out and get a custom jersey, 10% or 15% off of your jersey at the Jersey Jungle. DM them on Instagram. Use the promo code TCK to get 10 to 15% off of those jerseys. And then I also want to give a shout-out to Bomb Banana Hot Sauce. Newest thing in hot sauce, banana-based hot sauce, not banana-flavored. Go to seekthespice.com, 10% off of your first order. 
TCK is the promo code. Once again, 10% off of your order there. New sponsor of the podcast, four guys in the dorm room at the University of Michigan. Shouts out to the Wolverines. Created this hot sauce. They were just featured in Forbes magazine. I want to give a shout out to Bomb Banana Hot Sauce. I put this on pizza. I put this on nachos. I put this on fries. Uh, you can even put this in a spicy shake if you like. I'll go over that maybe another time, but I love um, their hot sauce. They have two flavors. They have the muy muy, which is the red flavor, and they have the white, which is a little more um, mild. Go to seekthespice.com, 10% off of bomb banana hot sauce. Banana-based, not banana flavored. Bobby, it's been a pleasure, man. Another one in the books here, episode two, excuse me, three, episode 391, closing in on 400. The rookie rundown here for the ADP review. Once again, we are going to uh, get into um, we are going to get into the mock draft another time. weren't able to do it today, but we'll be back with us next week. Enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. Uh, shouts out to everybody that Memorial Day uh, pertains to. Um, appreciate that, and uh, wish everybody a happy long weekend. Hopefully, you have Monday off, whatever you're doing. So enjoy that. And if you're traveling, travel safely. We'll catch you next time on the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Go check out my man Bobby Lamarco on Twitter at his name, Bobby Lamarco on Instagram at Fantasy Football X Factor. And you can find me on Twitter at my name, Sky Guasco, and on Instagram at Fantasy Football underscore TCK Pod. Make sure to give a rate and review anywhere you're listening to the podcast. And make sure to find us on YouTube as well at the Candlestick Kids. Give us a subscribe, hit the bell. And give us a comment on your favorite rookies and maybe some rookies that are being overvalued or undervalued at current ADP. From my man, Bobby Lamarco, enjoy your weekend. We'll catch you next time. I'm your host, Sky Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.